0: Take your kid who just won't and help them be the kid who will. Hey guys, thanks for joining me this week. I'm really excited to introduce you to our guest today. Her name is Randy Rubenstein. She's founder of Mastermind Parenting, Mastermind Parenting Podcast, and author of The Parent Gap. So, welcome, Randy. I'm so excited to talk to
1: you today. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So listen, guys, um, Randy has a uh, site, she has some groups, she has a podcast, but one of the things she talks about is, you know, parenting strong-willed children. So I hope that resonates with a lot of our listeners. I have a strong-willed child, or two, or five, um, and um, and so talk to me, Randy, tell me a little bit about how you got into this, and talk to me about your strong-willed child.
1: Well, like I said, right before we started recording, mine is now 24, and I would not define him anymore as strong-willed. The funny thing is, is all people at some point, all kids are strong-willed because that's just the the term we use when they won't do the thing that we want them to do. Right. And I think it's, you know, we're humans. That's we're supposed to not want to do exactly what is asked of us a lot of the time. And so I gave birth to him and the way I'd really define him is a highly sensitive person, which is, you know, that that's a term that a lot of people know. And it was coined by, um, uh, I believe she's a psychologist, Elaine Aaron, and it's called highly sensitive people. I read a book when my son was about 10 called the highly sensitive child. And I was already a parent educator at that time. I was I had I had been, you know, basically researching and learning and studying things that I never thought in the world I would have been interested in before I became a mom. But when I had him, I had like I thought you just have a baby and they're just adorable and and <laughs> it's easy. And um and I'm a pretty, you know, headstrong person and so I was like how hard is this going to be? And then I had the baby that like wouldn't stop crying and Mm -hmm. wouldn't sleep and wouldn't, it was just like every stage. I was just like, can I catch a break? And then he got to, when he got a little bit bigger, it was like, I had to have eyes in the back of my head because it just seemed like he was sort of always pissed off. And I just was on this mission. I was like trying to figure him out. And, um, and so I was reading all these things Then my husband would be like, you're, it's like you're, you're cramming for a college exam. And I just was, it was like, I was on a mission to solve this problem, which really it was to solve the problem of this challenging kid that I gave birth to. And I started learning all these things that before I knew it, it shifted from him to sort of me. And that happened when he was about seven And I started learning a program that was really designed for teachers called conscious discipline and conscious discipline. Now they say that they're a trauma and I think it's a trauma informed neuroscience, um, you know, classroom management program for teachers. So basically it's what is happening in your brain adult when you have this very difficult kid and you find yourself in a triggered moment. Because when we're in those triggered moments, that's when all the fantasies of the parent that we were going to be go out the window and all of our own conditioning that we swore we weren't going to do comes online, right? And Um, so I started just, I found it fascinating. Like, oh, this is why my dad lost his temper so much. This is why this thing is bothering me so much and why I'm so hell bent on figuring my kid out. And I think I got to kind of look inward and figure myself out a little bit. So, you know, by the time he was in ninth grade, I had been teaching these parent, I had like been basically um, helping to train teachers and, and teaching these parent education classes in my little community super small scale and people kept trying they would take my classes and then they would try to hire me and um and so i said to my husband i need to go i i i think i either i need to become a therapist or i need mm-hmm. i need some, people keep trying to hire me one on one and something about it felt like i i was like i i'm worried i'm going to get in trouble i don't think i'm supposed to be doing this this way and um And so I started graduate school for a counseling program for about three seconds. And then I realized very quickly that I'm not going to spend the next three years learning someone else's method when I already have my method. And I have a really good friend who's a psychologist who actually had hired me to be her parent coach. And she was like, you've got it. You've got it. You do not just just start a business. And I was like, I don't know how to start a business. I've been a stay-at-home mom and, a, you know, teaching these parenting classes and working with teachers, but really mostly in a volu- on a volunteer basis. Like, who am I to start a business? I don't, you know, I have a college degree, but I don't have a business degree. I don't know how to start a business. So once I I started graduate school and I studied for the GRE and I did that whole thing. And I got in and then three days in, I was like, holy shit, I need to get my money back. Like, oh, do you mind if I curse on this? (laughs) Okay. Um, And so I was like, I better get my money back. So then I said, well, what do I do? So I started looking at coach certification programs and um, and after watching probably, and this is like 2013 ish. Um, so I feel like it was almost like the beginning of the webinar craze. And so I started, you know, watching all these webinars and I decided on this coaching program, um, by this brilliant quirky woman named Martha Beck, who's also an author and she was, you know, Oprah Winfrey's life coach and all these different things. And so I went on a call and I liked her and I thought she seemed honest. And that's when I went through my coaching certification for, and it was about a 10 month process. Um, and actually it was my training that didn't certify me. Um, I really liked her quality control for coaching because it wasn't like go and, you know, in a weekend, you can have your coach certification. I really worked hard and I had to do like a hundred hours of, free coaching. And so I really felt like I kind of honed that craft. And once I completed my coach, um, my coach training, because I'm a, I'm a very action oriented, quick start kind of person for anybody who has taken the Colby, I'm a big fan of the Colby assessment test. Um, So I immediately took the, you know, the test to get certified. And once I did that, I married all those years of you know, the parent educating piece, you know, a lot of from conscious discipline, but also many other things I had learned and frankly been practicing with my own kids. And I married mm-hmm. the two. And then a couple years later, that's when I decided I need to trademark and and have my own method. And that's that's pretty much the essence of mastermind parenting. So strong-willed kid just led me on this path and now I'm a business owner and I'm so grateful that I had a strong-willed kid because if I hadn't had him for, and I have two other children, but if I if I had had them and if I had had them first, um, I don't think I would have had the impetus to start all of this. I didn't set out to do this. And then once I kind of figured out my process and my kid was doing so much better, um, and I learned so much about myself. I was like, my husband was like, "What? what's your, like, you're working all the time. What, like, where, what about me? And um, <laughs> and I said, he's like, do you want to make a lot of money? Like, what's you, really your goal here? And I said, you know, my goal is, I, I feel like it's selfish not to share this thing that we've figured out um, because I just know we can help a lot of people. And so that's what I'm doing.
0: I love that. I love that. It's a beautiful story. And thank you for sharing that. So I'm interested because you're so my kids are also grown. They're 27, and 28. And I have a strong willed child and she is the youngest. And I have a lot of friends with two kids. And all of us have said the second is the hardest, mm. but your first was your hardest. So that's interesting. And it mm-hmm. did lead you on a path um, but your second
1: was your second and thirds were easy sailing, or you know, not yeah, the same. I'm boy, girl, boy. So my daughter is in the middle. Um, you know, she kicked my ass in many ways too, but mostly just because teenage girlhood. I mean, I, I mean, when she started middle school, I had been teaching these conscious parenting classes. I was a little cocky, like, I was like, <laughs> Yeah, teenage girlhood's gonna be nothing. Uh-huh. And she started middle school and um, and I just all of a sudden was like realized like I had a bunch of unresolved old gunk from when I had been a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. So I will say that, you know, my daughter's now 21 and I just spent the summer with her in California. Cause I work, I can work remotely and she goes to school out there and she was doing a really cool internship in San Diego. And, you know, she was like, I don't know, I can't find a roommate. And then I said, well, why don't me and the dogs come out there and I'll be your roommate. So, you know, we're super close. And I, I, I feel like in many ways I grew up and had a second chance to do it over again while she went through the teenage years. Um, because I faced myself in, in so many ways, because I think it's just, it's painful, you know, when you're, Mm -hmm. when you're, I believe it is harder to be a teenage girl than a teenage boy. And, um, and, Mm -hmm. you know, when all of a sudden she hit middle school and, you know, the shenanigans start because it's all of, you know, queen bees and wannabes and mean girls and all of that, um there was a lot to figure out and what i realized was i had a lot of armor from that helped protect me and get me through those years and um and i wanted to release that armor so so yeah she you know she represented something different and then my youngest child who is 16 and a junior in high school um yeah it's just for the for the most part he's only been raised with this and i was 35 when he was born. So I was a different version of me and knock on wood for him. He's just been easy street. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's normal. He's he right now he's in that talk to the hand phase. Um, and that's normal, you know, that's what teenagers are supposed to do. It's like, it's like, we, we think that three-year-olds aren't supposed to be difficult and we think that teenagers, ugh, like they're not supposed to be difficult. And if you study human development, it's like when babies are born, we're like 10 fingers, 10 toes. Whew, okay, great. You know, like, you, so know, true. you know, or I, I had this like crazy fear that my child was going to be bought, w- was going to be born. Um, I don't know. I must've like read a book about hermaphrodites at some point. And I was so worried. It was like, Okay. Is it just a penis or just a vagina? Like I was, (laughs) that was another one I was worried about, but like when they become, did you know you were going to get all this? Um, (laughs) But when they become three or 13, like, oh, challenging me. Oh, you know, three-year-old trying to figure out where do I stop? Where does mom start? Oh, I'm not an appendage of my mom anymore. I'm trying to make sense of the world. I need to be constantly empowered with two positive choices. Like that is normal. And then when they're teenagers, like it's a fact that teenagers are supposed to be pruning away extraneous information. So they challenge everything because they want to figure out, okay, what do I want to bring with me that you've implanted in me. And what am I ready to prune away? Um, but we resist it because we just don't understand it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so he's, you know, he's in that, in that phase of, it's not like it's smooth sailing or he's like, I love you, mom. You're the best. A lot of the time he's like, how many more times are you going to say that? I just want to be prepared, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's a normal yeah. teenager and it's been pretty easy with
0: him. It's been funny because I'm going to dial back to something you said earlier was, you know, that when you reach your parenthood state, you think you just have a baby and it's easy and all, you know, you count their fingers and toes, you're blessed. Okay, great. Let's move on. Um, And you also have this thought or plans that the things that you're not going to do that your parents did, right? So my girls, um, we, I got five grandkids in in a little less than a year's time. And that was through adoption and fostering and a lot of a variety of ways, but um, I've watched my girls turn, you know, they're, they're blossoming into moms and, mm. um, it's been really fun to watch them and really interesting, their takeaways. And my husband and I will, you know, talk about things that happen in the family at night. And uh, we laugh because, you know, they'll, they'll, they were the kids that were like, I'm never going to make my kids do chores. I'm not going to have them cook. I'm not going to do this, you know, and all the things that they're not going to do. And then watching the kids come back to me and they've done it individually Um, at different times, but they've both come back and said, you and dad really just made this parenting thing look real easy. And it's not. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, but it's also kind of funny because I mean, I'm like, did we like, you know, we weren't, we weren't the kind of parents. We didn't shield them from a lot of things. You know, what you see is what you get for me, for me, typically any day of the week. And um, you know, I didn't hide things from them. I was very exposed them to a lot of the things and, and I was blessed with really good kids. Um, you know, they, they wanted to act up a little bit, but my youngest is the sass. She's, her name's Ashley and she's, she knows she's sassy. Um, and so um, to the cursing point, we call her hole sometimes. <laughs> That's so good. And my other daughter's name's Brittany. We named her Bratney <laughs> as their nicknames when they were younger, but you know, it's true. They have strong wills. They have their own mindset. They have their own things. And then I'm watching it in my grandchildren because of the way we've acquired our family and the way the dynamics of it has come together. We've got a 13-year-old grandson, a 10-year-old grandson, an eight-year-old grandson, and a two-year-old and a one-year-old granddaughters. And you know, watching them with the babies, plus watching them instantly become parents and adults of older children in a variety of ages has been a challenge for them because, you know, Brittany's 28 years old and she's got a 13 year old and wow. yeah. And, but when the, when he came, he was only 10. So you know, he's grown a lot and I'm watching him grow and I only raised girls. So I struggle with that connectivity piece to the boys because I don't know anything about superheroes. Admittedly, I'm just, tell, you know, I was l- making my Christmas list and I'm like sending it to Brittany. And I'm like, okay, does Nevin like this one, this one or this one? And she's like, those are villains. Those aren't heroes. So I was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't realize
1: <laughs> there's it's hilarious, such a difference,
0: but but it's been interesting, you know, because we have the dynamics and the fostering that happened and, you know, Brittany and her husband wanted to adopt um, a sibling group because they wanted to keep them together. And, you know, when you get foster children, you know, it's, they don't come from happy, all happy made homes. You know, there's a lot of challenges and nuances there with the life that they lived before coming into your life. And so watching them navigate those waters has been really cool as a parent. And then, you know, my husband will look at me and say, you know, they were listening because, you know, we watch them repeating. And I think that's been my biggest takeaway as a parent is if I had to give somebody, I'm 51 today, advice, I would say, you know, your kids are going to do what you do. You can tell them all day long what you want them to know or what you want them to do, but they mimic what we do. And that's been my biggest takeaway in watching my girls become moms. Um, themselves. A thousand,
1: I say they learn by our example, they really are watching us way more than they're listening to us. And you're a hundred percent right on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's been, it's been, it's been fun and, you know, it's, it's been interesting too, because Ashley's little one, Emmeline, just turned one on the 8th of October and Emmeline just at one is showing those signs of that, you know, independence and the similar to Ashley in those ways. And, um, and then watching Brittany, you know, Brittany had a little sister, Ashley was only, they were only a year and eight days apart. And, uh you know, now one of her, her, one of her children is like a baby Ashley. So she's got her little sister she's raising and she's just kind of (laughs) like, and it's so, it's so comical because Ashley's that child that never hushes. Like she has, she can talk your ear off from here to eternity. She could call you. You could set your phone down for an hour, go do, watch a movie, come back. She's still talking. So, (laughs) um, and everybody that knows her and herself knows that, but, um, it's been funny because JJ or, uh, one of our grandsons that's Brittany's child, he's a talker and he's the mini Ashley, and he's just the aggravator and the instigator and in such a fun, sweet, loving, and cute way. And it's it's fun to watch Brittany have to parent her baby sister when she didn't have to, because now she can understand like my mindset as a mom of how I was navigating raising Ashley versus Brittany, because they're very, they're polar opposites. Even though they're siblings, you couldn't find two more kids that are opposite of each other. Um, And it's, it's just been such a journey, you know?
1: Well, you know, I love, I mentioned that assessment that I love that really is a, a corporate tool for teams, right? The Colby is all about how Each of us is wired to solve problems. And, um, and I love that tool because, and I use it because I quite often teach people, your family is a team, you know? So just like your work team, or just like if you ever played a sport, your soccer team, which... I didn't play sports. I'm not even going to use the right terminology, although I've sat as a spectator in enough sports that I should know what all the positions are, but I don't. Um, But like if if you're going to have a winning soccer team, like there's one goalie. So if you have a whole team where their zone of genius is goalie, like you're kind of screwed. And so we're meant to all bring different skill sets to the team, right? And so- the things that you just said about your girls, it makes me think, oh, well, Ashley sounds like she's the team member. That's like the true extrovert, like the one who is energized by human interaction. Like she wants to engage. She has things to tell you. She has things to teach you. She's going to keep it alive and lively. And, you know, and maybe her big sister Was more introspective, you know, maybe more of an observer. Um, And if you think it's like, it's like when we're all if, if we're sitting, you know, with our, our work team members, um, and you have, you know, you're trying to figure out a marketing problem or a pro, you know, there's a new project and y'all are, you've, you know, you've got the person who's the project manager and that's the detail person. And then you've got the person that's the content creator and maybe the visionary and, and and the creative person. And then you've got the person who maybe somebody at some point in their life told them that they were ADD and there was something wrong with them, but they are the idea monkey. And they're like, Hey, well, why couldn't we try this thing? and what about that thing but there might be a you know so they have all these amazing ideas but there might be also a little too much impulsivity there so then you got the person who is more of the introspective person who's like all valid ideas let's write them down and and have a plan and circle back like where you're going and we have a method we have systems We, you know, everybody just keep the ideas coming. You keep track of them. You know, we all bring different skill sets to the team. And I think where we butt heads at home and at work is when we expect the other team members to have the exact same skills that we have or to be wired just like how we are instead of just honoring that we're all meant to bring different skill sets to the team.
0: I love that. And that's a great analogy. And it's a great point because it's even true for me at work. And I am, you know, can see where Ashley gets her talking. I'm a talker and I'm the idea person. And, you know, even my team, my family, my husband's like, okay, okay no more ideas. We're going to stop now because <laughs> I could never run out. Like, you know, I'm constantly inventing. And, um, And so that's also true. I love that. So if people would like to follow you, Randy, what's the best place for them to find you and to join your groups or see what you, you know, to, to interact with you and your programs.
1: So I'm on all the social handles. The only one where I'm Randy Rubenstein though, is on LinkedIn. So on LinkedIn, I am Randy Rubenstein. Everywhere else, I'm Mastermind Parenting. Um, And I have a podcast. I think the best place to follow me is just to start listening to my podcast. I have four years, over four years of podcast episodes. And I really give out you know, a lot of information and a lot of content. You can learn a ton from just listening to my con to my podcast. And um and I think that's the best way just to get introduced. And then from the podcast, when you're, you know, if somebody's like, okay, I've been listening but I'm not implementing, how do I actually take this and put it into action? That's when you book a call and and look into joining one of our private groups, which anybody who's called to do that or who's like, I just know I need that. Um, you know, that's the best thing to do would be to email me and let me know, I don't I don't even want to listen to any of that stuff. How do I get in your private groups? And you just email me randy at randyrubenstein.com.
0: That's amazing. So that's awesome. And I love that you, um, you know, have the different levels for people to be able to get reach out and to listen. I mean, that's really valid. And I think that that's a good way for people to see if your messaging resonates with what they are trying to achieve. And I loved what you said first in the very beginning of this was you said, you know, you stopped and reflected on yourself. And looked like you had some work to do too. And I think that's such a valid and good tip for all parents, regardless of the age of your children, um, because I'm still learning. You know, my kids teach me stuff every day, and um, I'm learning through their experiences just as they learn through mine. And so um, it's really beautiful work that you're doing. And I applaud your journey and I love how it, you happened on it, but it became a passion and a calling for you. And so, really cool story. Thank
1: Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank no. Thank you for having me. And and just you know, what I want to say to what you just said is, like, if we're not learning and growing and evolving, we're dying. Like, I don't think we're ever fully cooked and done. And you know, I'm kind of on a mission to take the taboo out of talking about parenting and to, it doesn't need to be clinical. Like every, I mean, every single human is affected by parenting because if you were born, you had parents. And then if you go on to become a parent, like there's a double, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're double invested in this topic. And yet we, it's like, it's too personal. You know, nobody wants to talk about it. Everyone wants to pretend that it's all, you know, perfect and, and put all the posts out on Facebook that make it look so perfect. But if you peek through the curtains of most people's homes, they're like, this feels far from perfect. And I'm anti-perfect, like perf. I think perfection parenting is a prison and I want us talking about this. I want us connecting about this. I think it's a fun topic. I don't think it mm-hmm. needs to be so serious. I think that, you know, the nicknames that you came up with, like, that's a perfect example of like, we get to be real people and we get to have some fun with it. And it doesn't need to be so serious all the time. And look, you had, you called her Ash Hole and what was it? Bratney. Bratney. <laughs> and you raised two women who have now become, you know, have fostered children and adopted children. Like these sound like two amazing humans who are out to make the world a better place and welcoming children that needed a home into their home. Like, I, that's, I just love that, that that's your example that you had some fun with these nicknames and, And at the end of the day, you raised two amazing humans who have so much love to give.
0: Oh, thank you for that. I am very proud of them both and very blessed and they do. It is, I think there's, you know, I didn't, I wasn't raised by a family or parents that put their head in the sand and just were very, you know, we didn't talk about anything. It was a very open environment and I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful I was able to recreate that with them because our kids know there's no taboo topics, that it's a safe space. It doesn't matter what it is, they'll come talk to us. And a lot of people think, yeah, sure, right, you know, but but it's true. And, you know, they didn't get into a lot of trouble. There was a lot of respect. And I think that, you know, that that aided them in their guide into adulthood. Um, you know, of what to expect by not sheltering and shielding them and, and having real life topics. So I've always been the advocate of don't stick your head in the sand, pretend like it's not going to be you. It's not going to be your kid, you know, stay in touch, keep that communication open and free and and safe to speak. And, and, you know, obviously respectfully, but, you know, having that open lens communication helped tremendously for me. Along the way, we we you know you talk about trauma and all those other things that I've been going through. Some stuff, some childhood trauma resurfaced for me during the pandemic because I was under a lot of stress. And so, um, you know, I think that um, it's just been it's been it's been interesting to watch. And my husband and I have had a lot of time to reflect. You know, now that our kids are growing out of the house and raising their own families and it's amazing to both of us that a a we got really lucky because you know i wasn't a bad kid but i wasn't the best teenager either <laughs> and um and, you know neither was my husband and to be able to raise two girls that are you know able to you know curate these families in this environment and recreate that environment that we created within our own home mm-hmm. um has been such a beautiful thing to watch so You know, if you are a parent out there listening and you have a strong-willed child or a highly sensitive or emotional child, or you have a hard second child, which seems to be a trend somewhat, I should run a poll on it (laughs) Um, just because I'm curious, you know, I advise you guys to listen in and to really dial into what Randy has to offer because um, I can tell you as a mom of two daughters that have started families. Um, there's a lot of mom shame and a lot of mom guilt. And I didn't grow up with mom guilt. You know, that's not, it wasn't really a thing when I was growing up. And maybe it was, and I was oblivious. That's totally possible. But, um, but, you know, there's a lot that women face today. And I've had several guests as of late on this podcast that have either where they started out as photographers and the moms wanted the picture perfect families and then things didn't pan out that way right because like the photographer has to do 18 cartwheels and have six puppets or whatever to get the kids to get that perfect family picture and you know I'm such a um advocate for authenticity that's exactly you know the terminology I want to use and Mm. and you're so right like let's all just call it what it is and share because there's there's no shame in that and we all only can gain and be better because of it so
1: here, here. I agree with all. <laughs> I agree with all of that. Let's get, let's, as women, let's have each other's backs. Let's stop yeah. competing. Let's stop judging. Let's, you know, let's unify ourselves. We're so much stronger together. I, I heard a quote years ago and it was something like so many women feel like there's only room for one shiny woman in the room. And so therefore we try we, we constantly try to dull each other's shine. But the truth is, is that when you surround yourself with other shiny women, you just illuminate all of your, and you just all become shinier together. And I'm like, yes, that's what we're doing. Like enough with thinking that another shiny woman is gonna dull your shine. They're not, they're gonna illuminate you. And we have to just do a better job of doing that together. So. I love
0: that. That's exactly, I shared a, i I'm a quote sharer, but I had seen that like, like it was like, you know, you will not dim another, your light won't dim by helping another one shine sis, you know, and it's so mm-hmm. true and it can be so cut through and cut, so cutthroat and so competitive today. And, you know, I, I would just want to see us all win. I'm a, I'm a peace person and I, you know, want to see us all win. And, and there's enough, if everyone were to support one another, we could all just shine brighter. Well,
1: and when we compete against each other, we're really, you know, when women are competing against each other, you know, there's power in numbers. And so think about who wants to keep a woman small, right? So when we participate in the judging and there's a, you know, and, and, and as moms, it's like, the primo place to judge each other. But as long as we, that's what people say about my groups all the time is because we're truth tellers and they always say, gosh, there's just no judgment here. And one of my moms, she's, she's so cute. She's like, she has a real Southern accent. She says, I just love it, Randy Rubenstein, how you can smack me on the butt and make me feel like you're giving me a big hug. (laughs) So, I mean, we're truth tellers. I, and I, you know, I call my moms to more and, and we do speak the truth, but there is zero judgment. And that's what they always say. And I'm like, because if we are judging each other, if we are competing against each other, then there, we don't have the power in numbers and we will all stay so much smaller than we can be if we are coming forward collectively.
0: I love that. Expertly said. Excellent. Well, on that
1: note, guys, I think we've run out of
0: time this week. So that will conclude it. Randy, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today. I very much enjoyed this conversation and I've gotten a lot of takeaways out of it. Me too. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So listen, guys, if you have any questions for myself or Randy, put them in the comments and we'll be happy to get back to you. I hope you enjoyed listening this week. Take care and have a great week, everyone.